0: Hello, I'm Anne Nadeau, founder of ODN, and we're back with Profiles in Risk, a podcast that enlightens the world of risk around you. Each episode, we explore insurance through the stories and experiences of the most influential thought leaders, product developers, and entrepreneurs modernizing the insurance industry. You can find more content at odnsure.com slash golf course. Or show notes on insnerds.com. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back. This is Profiles in Risk. I'm Carrie Nadeau, your host uh, and founder of ODN. Today I'm joined by a fantastic guest, the co-founder of Cover Wallet, Rashmi Melgiri. Welcome to the show, Rushmi. Well, oh, thank you, so yeah. thank you for having me on. Thanks for welcoming me back as well. I appreciate that. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Not only because you're a co-founder like myself uh, in an insurance technology company, but you're doing some really epic things to transform the way that we provide insurance to customers. And really, I think shining a beacon for the rest of the insurance industry to show them how it can be done differently. So, thank you for for joining us today.
1: Absolutely excited to be here. Thanks.
0: Cool, cool. Well, uh, for those that may not know about Cover Wallet, I know you probably got the elevator speech down at this point. I would love just give a brief introduction as to what you do for for that audience.
1: Yeah. So what Cover Wallet is, is an online platform where the easiest way for a small business owner to understand, buy, and manage business insurance for their business. Now, why that's interesting, uh, I always joke that I hate giving that pitch because it sounds like it's 2002. Like, oh yeah, we built an online way to do something. Like,
0: (laughs) Before the dot-com bubble, you you sell
1: Uh, somewhere. I think what
0: would be helpful is if I gave a little background in
1: terms of just what this industry looks like and how it's interesting. So across small business owners in the U.S., they're spending about $100 billion a year buying what is in large part, mandatory insurance. So it's workers' compensation, which is required in most states, or it's general liability insurance or property insurance, both of which are required for most property leases uh, when you rent a property, if not buy one. Um, So you have this huge amount of money uh, that's running uh, through what is basically a non-elective product. Uh, And most people are surprised to find out that over 97% of that runs through physical neighborhood agents. Hmm. So you could think about the way that we used to buy airline tickets in the 80s or something, you not even know what I'm talking about. Uh, But before there was kayak and Orbitz or Priceline, um, you'd actually have these hyper-local neighborhood agents they were your travel agents. And they had the systems and the portals to key in all the information and they would then turn around and give you a couple of prices and you'd pick a ticket. Mm -hmm. That sort of direct uh, customer to um, either airline or airline marketplace wasn't there. And that's the way that commercial insurance still works in the U.S. It's
0: mm-hmm. still very local agents. Um, and yeah, I have one myself. His name is Lorenzo. So right. you, like you go through so much trouble to get small business insurance. It's a real challenge when you're starting out, right? You may not know what you need, where to go get it, how much coverage is you need, whether or not you're getting ripped off on the price. Sounds like you could be solving a lot of problems, not just convenience. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah. So we actually, you know, one of, one of the issues um, in sort of the, the outside space is like agents are overwhelmed by there's so many different carriers or so many, you know, different options that oftentimes what they're looking for is convenience, right? So mm-hmm. they might go to the to the carrier or the insurance company that makes it most convenient for them to get back a price to service their customer. So right. they're creating on convenience themselves, but then where does that leave the end customer, right? The end customer is sort of left with a lack of choice because their agent is making decisions in between about the experience. That's just one, <laughs> one asset. Yeah. Right? Um, and then there's obviously kind of giving transparency through data and design online in the same way that maybe a kayak would, right? Where you can really like compare a lot of things against each other to see the value of one. Uh, yeah you know, airline ticket versus another, we're doing the same thing with business insurance, right? You can actually see prices, you can get comparative quotes, but you can also go through all the coverage in a really well-structured, well-designed way. So you can make an intelligent decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to your point, really, you know, convenience, right? You can do this at 2 a.m., which a lot of small business owners are very thankful for. Most small business owners don't have a risk manager or someone whose job it is to buy insurance, right? They're the ones doing it. And that's outside of their regular business hours, plus doing payroll, payroll, accounting and all that stuff after hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just the idea of being able to do that in a self-service way off hours um, has been a big, big um, advantage for CoverWallet or something you've really added to the market versus agents who are, again, just another small business.
0: Yeah. And it strikes me that like a lot of what you're sharing is based, not necessarily based on you know, your learnings as a company, but your experience maybe trying to get small business insurance or conversations with business owners who inform you about those struggles. I mean, is, is that really, I think your company kind of differentiates itself a lot on the design thinking component. I would, I would love for you to talk about how that is really foundational to your company and what ways that it informs the decisions you make and how you sell insurance.
1: Yeah, so it informs it from before day one, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, one of, one of the sort of the, the seminal ideas behind why we went into this market or seminal experiences was my co-founder has been a um, business owner twice before.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so he's actually gone through the small business insurance process twice, um, both experiencing it as like a minor inconvenience and why isn't this online? And then as like a major inconvenience in terms of actually closing a deal mm-hmm and insurance yeah. being one of the requisite items for the deal and it being held up because this underwriter, this carrier was on vacation. And so it was actually like a delay until this guy mm-hmm. could come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, it's very human. <laughs> it's very relationship-based. A lot of it works that way. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we were, when we were thinking about starting something together, we went to business school together about 10 years ago um, and reconnected three or four years ago and decided to start something. This was an idea we kept coming back to because on my end, I'd been a management consultant and I just had been working with um, sort of uh, players tangential to the insurance industry. And I knew that when insurance companies would talk about the customer, they were actually talking about the agent and they weren't talking yeah. about the end customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so kind of our experience really pointed to like, there's, there's a lack of sort of focus and design thinking on the end small business customer owner yeah focus between the carrier and the agent um, but we're not sort of seeing it trickle all the way through we thought that you know what our skill set was really good at uh, mm-hmm. was technology design and product design around like how can we just improve the end customer experience here right
0: right and fascinating because it's really not necessarily an innovation to the product of insurance itself it's to the process of delivering insurance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that is a big part of the, I mean, when we talk about that a lot, the product is not only that policy or the promise that you have the, uh claim will be paid in the case of an event. It's actually the process. Cause it is, it is quite a process. So like it is part of the product, right? It's part yeah. of the
0: insurance. business owner to business owner. Yes. And any business owner listening into the podcast will probably like try to look for a bottle of something to have a sip of uh, just at the thought of having to go back through the process of getting business insurance. I, I, yeah i don't look back on the experience fondly, but I'm grateful for cover wallet now so what was the first problem you set out to solve when you got together you you thought of this idea, but I always think of entrepreneurs or at least the best entrepreneurs as those who go to market with their ideas, not just think of a great one but like go test it, go poke holes in it so was the first idea the idea was it did it evolve sort of what it was the first step
1: yeah. So the first step um, was, I mean, we knew we were going to do this. It was a lot of self-education. Neither one of us is from this industry. Uh, So a lot of learning about the industry. We really tapped into uh, our network, right? Folks that we went to school with that we knew, or even just some blind outreach and saying, hey, like we'd really like to get involved in this industry and making connections and learning. That was just a really big part of it, having, you know, keeping our mouth shut and our ears open and just saying like, yes, tell me what is good about this industry, what's bad in life learning as much as we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to your earlier question, like what's the first problem that you actually went out to solve? The biggest problem that we went out to solve very quickly. We said, look, this is all about, we said, originally, it's about convenience and timing. We said time is money for small business owners on average with a typical brick and mortar agent. They're taking more than a week to return a quote. Mm-hmm. We're going to beat that. We're like, we've got to be under a week. If we're not under a week, what are we doing? Right. right. So Even without any integration, without any technology, um, part of our hurdle is just like we got to do it faster, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, got to be one of the main value propositions that we're working
0: on. So inside of that,
1: I got licensed as an
0: agent. You know, Okay. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that went into that. Yeah, that's not just a small feat. There was a lot of work involved there. Sure,
1: um, but that was the very first metric. Uh, we're very data metric oriented here. That was the first
0: metric we said we got to. We got to improve this? I feel like there's so much meat left on that bone too, that like um, a lot of innovation in insurance has focused on sort of customer now. I think you've done a great job at CoverWallet to transition the way people have thought about the customer from the agent to the actual customer, the the end user. Um, But this question of efficiency strikes me as one where there's still a lot of opportunity to help sort of transform not only how we deliver insurance, but how quickly we respond. It doesn't seem like a problem going away with millennials. So I'm curious for your perspective is the first metric, is it now a different bar we've set that, you know, a week used to be normal. Now it's 24 hours. Eventually it's going to be instant.
1: Yeah. So for us, it's primarily instant, right? We've built yeah. all these integrations now, Folks can see multiple quotes like that (laughs) online and really it's up to them whether they buy them there or they call in and ask questions, but it is instant. Right. There's no separation between giving us information and getting a quote.
0: And that's got to be, sorry to go a little off subject here, but that's got to be also incredibly beneficial to the sort of ROI of your company, right? Like how much time you spend actually administrating the process of getting insurance is probably, more lucrative on the back end for any insurance carriers who might be listening in to find those operational efficiencies in delivering a product to customers.
1: Absolutely. I'm really glad you bring that up because, you know, a lot of folks will talk about, oh, are you replacing or are you competing with carriers? But I mean, it's like, you know, really small business insurance is measured by two metrics in terms of the um, profitability for the carrier. One Mm -hmm. is the loss ratio, which is the claims that are made against the premium that's paid. And the other is the Um, operating ratio, just like how expensive is it to kind of own a customer and acquire a customer. Mm -hmm. The loss part of this segment of insurance is fantastic. Small businesses really don't do that badly. So like their loss ratio is great and what they'll complain about is it's really hard to make money on a Mm -hmm. small policy, not because of the losses but because of how much human effort goes into it, right? Right. Um, And so that's where we've really seen the love from the carriers is like we really brought technology to this such that the acquisition of the customer um, is easier, and then the ongoing servicing of the customer, and mm-hmm. a lot of that we've done um, by just providing a platform that makes it really easy to self-service. Mm-hmm. Right? You can actually go online, and you know, if you're, you a lot of folks ask why now, I'm like, well, why now is because we have a generation of small business owners who actually prefers it, yeah, you know, yeah. Actually yeah. Do it themselves, and wait until you know 9:30 a.m. to speak
0: to someone. Right? Absolutely. 10 years ago, I remember going to conferences in the space where we had the conversation of whether or not mobile was going to catch on because did everyone have a cell phone? Wow. You know, that has changed. <laughs> you know, that's almost the dark ages at this point. I think you're really pushing the paradigm further along to say not only does pretty much every small business have access to the internet, uh, but they prefer to use the internet in engaging and acquiring services.
1: Right, exactly. Um, That's great. They would love to do it. If they can do 75% of the process on their own, they'll do it. And then, yeah. uh, But they don't need to call us for, you know, basic stuff, right? And, and, like, we're happy to. We have some people who are on the road, and they'll call them like, mm-hmm. again. But we just find that, like, now's the time because they actually prefer to do it themselves. And it's such a benefit to uh, the bottom line for the carriers, right? And ourselves, mm-hmm. the, operating, uh, the operating expense of acquiring and having a customer just goes down. when
0: people have the preference to take
1: care of some items themselves,
0: Right. How did you acquire that knowledge, right? Like it seems so, you know, in hindsight, 2020, so obvious, like, of course they want to buy their. But how did you figure that out?
1: Yeah, um, I would say we probably were a little like, it's obvious from the beginning, like
0: naive like, Okay.
1: <laughs> right? It's not hard to predict the future. If it's not online, it will be. Nope. <laughs> Someone said, Okay, it's, it's like it's online and it's going to be us. Now, once you get into it, man, it's incredibly tough. And there are a lot of really good reasons why it hadn't been done. Uh, and there's a lot of really good reasons that it even took us uh, a while to, you know, get some momentum. Yeah, um, But we definitely have this idea that like, when you look at all the basic functions of running a business, um, whether that's accounting or HR and payroll, you just saw this trend that small business owners were more and more gravitating towards online platforms rather than having their trusted advisor at a brand name shop. Um, And the one place I always love to go back to is, um, this isn't necessarily small business, uh, but TurboTax. I mean, you have something that's Incredibly complicated that people really don't want to understand, but it's just a have to. And if you build an online self-service platform to do it, people are like, okay, great. I can just get it done. You know, I don't need to sit down with someone and have a whole conversation. Um, So I just felt like there's a lot of evidence for that sort of naive notion that it's going to go online. It's going to be self-service. We just saw a lot more. We saw industries that were as equally complicated, as equally entrenched in trusted relationships go that way. And so we thought there's absolutely a path here.
0: Well, I'm impressed because it, is, it takes some clairvoyance to do that. And then it takes the hard work and grit of doing the market research, testing your assumptions and figuring it out. You know, when you first started, it, it sounds like it was just the two of you, maybe around a dining room table, figuring <laughs> it out. And we all have our dining room table moment. But thankfully, and, and, and congratulations, Cover Wallet has grown to now over 200 employees. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Wow. And so that that majorly changes sort of, you know, the evolution of your company. It's a, it's a big company now. Yeah. Um, can maybe you could touch on a little bit about how that evolution, you know, bumps, hiccups along the road. But like where you are now, you've landed at a big company and, and it sounds like even expanding from here next.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, there's really no hiccups. It's been all smooth. And, you know. Oh,
0: great. <laughs> Any investor listening, that's right. It's been completely linear, just positive <laughs> slope. Yep.
1: <laughs> um, Fair enough. I mean, you, uh, you know, I would say the biggest hiccup was, um, I mean, the timing was so perfect in, in retrospect. Um, but I'll tell you, we started the company in the summer of 2015. Um, a lot of what we 're doing is talking to carriers first and foremost right it 's it's basically a two sided marketplace. You have your small mm-hmm. business owner. The want was there. There was no question about them wanting to buy stuff online. What was not there was the other side of the market. The carriers having technology or a desire to go online and to have an omni channel approach outside of the physical brick and mortar agents. Um, and so one of the you know, the initial hurdles was actually a pretty consistent message from a lot of major insurance companies back in 2015, um, that they didn't want to be online, that the online customer was a bad customer. The online customer was a customer who couldn't get insurance from the neighborhood agent. And so now they had to go online. Mm. Uh, and so Going back to my naive like, notion, this has to go online. It absolutely did from the end customer perspective, but how much of that was going to be held up by sort of the product provider, right? Right. Um, cause you all, you have ch- channel conflict, you have all these things going on. So I was getting through those conversations and building the case more and more largely built on data. I mean, 70% of small business owners start the search online, mm-hmm. absolutely a desire to go online. What right. happens if you put in their zip code and then they're told to go to that neighborhood agent. Right. Um, and so, I mean. I felt like it was sort of, we just entered the market at the right place where there was a lot of folks internally at those companies, you know, us beating the drum saying, this absolutely has to be an omni-channel approach for you guys because mm-hmm. the incumbent big carriers, if you're not going to service this, you're going to have upstarts, upstart carriers who just get an influx of capital and say, hey, we'll be completely online, right? Just kind of right. like you know, digital banks in the early 2000s, right? right. Uh, if you're not going to go online, someone yeah. else is going to do it for a lot less and, uh, and get investors behind them to eat time. your lunch. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And so I would say that was initial hurdle, just breaking through that status quo mindset. Uh, But after that, I mean, and it's, I always joke in 2005, we couldn't get like a carrier to slap us in the face, right? Like it was like hard to sit down and like have a conversation about having uh, online distribution, right? And now we have a whole queue of carriers who want to integrate with us. And it's really about us picking and choosing the right things um, to prioritize. Uh, But that was definitely one of the hurdles.
0: Yeah, I, and I always want to celebrate success that you're able to sort of up, around, under, through, get through those hurdles, and, and also just recognize that it's a hustle. Like it's figuring it out. Uh, and it sounds like it, you know, it sounds like it's overnight success, but there's certainly all these sorts of challenges that you have to be creative and figure out and, and just grind through. But it sounds like now where you're at, Coverwall is sort of poised for expansion. So, We're right at the end of 2018. Curious to know sort of what you got in your back pocket and and, uh, where is CoverWallet going for 2019? How are you expanding? All right, cool. So um, we talked a lot about what we do, which
1: is primarily what we do is have an online platform to service small business customers. So you Mm -hmm. have a coffee shop in Hoboken, New Jersey, and you can go to coverwallet.com and actually get a policy. That technology platform, not only for the end user, but also for our internal agents uh, and how they service customers when they call in, um, was really well received in the industry. And so we have expanded as part of this year, and I'll talk about plans going forward, um, into two other areas, which is just repurposing what we've really done from a technology perspective. One is uh, we have a B2B platform where carriers have come to us and said, hey, like a lot of my agents don't want to use us, (laughs) right? Because we work through a PDF that they
0: fill out. out a Sort of white label something that works. Right, exactly.
1: Um, And so they actually wanted to talk about using coverwall technology and mindset and design to make Mm -hmm. it a better ease of use for their agents, right? Um, And so that's something we've done. We've done a lot of B2B work with carriers, uh, particularly the Hanover, uh, which is a major insurance carrier, and different affiliate programs with agencies that they work with. The other one that I'm really excited about is we just launched it um, earlier this month in December is called Cover Wallet for Agents. So going back to that, you know, really we're over 97% of the dollars actually flow through is all these, is the brick and mortar agent plan, right? Um, we've got a lot of inbound interest from day one of agents using our portal to get a quote And then calling us and saying, is there any way I could sub license under you guys so I could actually sell this to my customer? Right. Uh, And we just, we weren't able to do it, right? We were so focused on the end customer. But at this point, uh, we've actually built out a platform where we're like, yeah, you can. You can be a, um, you can use the CoverWallet platform uh, to service your customers. So now you have neighborhood agents who are part of the CoverWallet ecosystem that when their customer sits down with them, they're actually, instead of doing a PDF and a fax and waiting a week, they're able to service them right then and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we just launched. Uh, you can look for that grow wildly in 2019. We actually have a backlog of folks that have, uh, or agencies that have signed up to be part of that platform. Um, and then the last piece I want to talk about was international expansion. Oh, wow. And, you know, go, I'm like, just in the same conversation, talk about like the dining room. <laughs> we'll talk about going international. Yeah. Um, but, you know, last This year in 2018, um, we worked with Zurich Insurance, one of Mm -hmm. the largest insurance companies in the world. They've never gone direct online. Um, We are their direct channel in Europe. So if you're a small business owner and you have a coffee shop in Madrid, Spain, uh, and you go online looking for insurance, you will find Zurich powered by Cover Wallet, and you can get a quote instantly as opposed to going through a traditional route. Um, And you can look in 2019, that we'll be expanding to even more countries uh, and areas of the
0: world uh, with the cover wallet approach. I, I have so much to dive in on there because there's so much there. Congratulations on these multiple fronts. I think one thing that jumps out to me in particular is sort of the way you've worked with agents, with carriers with folks internationally. Um, a lot of new sort of insurance technology, the fear is that they'll disrupt some sort of existing, very personal relationship. And I think it's, it's quite a needle you've thread to find an opportunity to sort of integrate with these folks and solve multiple issues for multiple points in the value chain. Was yeah. that your intention originally? And, and is that the direction that you're going in?
1: You know, I don't think it was the intention, uh, but looking back, it was so obvious. So, yeah. I mean, nobody, li- nobody likes
0: the 27-page p- PDF. The carrier doesn't
1: like it, the agent doesn't like it, the customer no one
0: likes yeah. it. Yeah, right.
1: Oh, no, no, keep that.
0: But uh, yeah, everyone insists on having their own too, right? There's a 27-page version, there's a 23-page version, there's a 29-page version,
1: yeah. yeah. exactly. So
0: like, all we've really done
1: with technology is we've made the mundane parts that everyone hated yeah. uh, go away, right? And that has just paid benefits to the carrier. It's paid benefits to agents. It's obviously paid benefits to the customer. Um, But that's all we've done. We haven't really replaced the agent. We always say that our model is high tech and high touch. So yes, our agents are on the phone talking to customers, but what they're not doing is putting you on hold while they fill out a form on your behalf, right? right? That's all done. They're talking to you about coverages. They're educating you. They're helping you figure out the system, whatever it is. But it's not this low value interaction it's a really high value interaction Mm -hmm. that's all we wanted to do and i would assert that's what the carriers and agents would rather be spending their time on as well
0: yeah and and i was going to ask why focus on this problem i feel like you jumped the gun with the answer it's a great point i think uh curious to know your perspective on on you know (laughs) So let me back up a half step Step to say, I think that that was an education for me when I figured out what actually happens when you submit one of these 29-page forms. You mentioned sort of somebody transcribes it. Maybe we should take a half step back and just say like, what is the process today? And what does it look like this year with CoverWall with sort of new products coming online? How does that change?
1: Yeah, so the process today, a typical process would be in, um, you know, sort of a smaller agency, you might sit down with that agent. They'll ask you a couple of questions. They'll—they're incredibly brilliant and have a lot of this mapped in their mind. But they'll say, "You know what? I think so and so is a good carrier for you." And mm-hmm. hand you an application, uh, and you'll fill it out. Or they will swivel around their chair. And if that carrier is online and not—not not many are—they'll be asking you questions and keying it in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um At the end of you know, at the end of that paper application process, they're faxing it in, and then you're, that carrier is going to key it into their underwriting system and see what the machine says. Okay. After the machine says what it says, then a physical person who's an underwriter will review it and decide if that quote is good or if it needs to be adjusted. Um, and in many cases, there just won't be a quote because it'll be denied. Right? right. In the case of the carriers online, um, it all depends on whether they actually have a quoting system online or if this is just a way to, for them to have you key in the information instead of one of their people. Right. So there's a whole spectrum of what is actually being done online. Some of it's simply having one person do the key in, but there's still the manual work of underwriting. Right. Uh, and so that's really like what's driving all the delays over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about cover wallet. What we've done is we've integrated all the way. So the keying in happens by the end of the customer, right? They're filling out a small application online that Cover Wallet has provided. And at the end of that, that is hitting the rating engines of different carriers that we have integrated with. Um, and it's returning quotes instantly. So the next screen that they see is a quote from one, two, or three carriers, um, and then all the details on the product coverage. So what we've done is we've just made that single entry, and they call it single entry or single single keying, single entry system actually talk to the rating engines of these different companies and then return quotes. So it's an incredible amount of work there because right, you're know, one This guy refers to himself, he might just say, I'm a barbershop in our application. Now, what does that carrier call a barbershop versus this one versus this one, right? There's a lot of sort of mapping and and figuring out that has to go into that. Um, But that's how the process looks different. You do that upfront work, which is incredibly tiresome, uh, but you do it you make the investment of doing it, then you can actually deliver a much better experience to the end customer. Um, And again, I would argue for the, the carrier as well.
0: Yeah. And it seems like such an archaic process to have multiple sort of key in entries using usage of a fax machine, but it is pretty industry standard, as you mentioned. I think last time I checked the, uh, you know, asked around myself, did a little bit of user research, about 40% of quotes are hit an automated rating engine. So they're able to return an automatic quote, 60% still go through a manual process. And that's, Oops that's pretty industry standard some carriers do better some carriers do worse so with the success that you're seeing in you know, driving more business to your platform, getting more customers engaged, getting people happy and excited about buying insurance for small businesses, are you finding that that's actually driving change on the insurance carrier side too to provide more automated quotes? Because I feel like on their side, there may be a little bit of reticence there and comfortability and sort of the security, as you mentioned, is this a barbershop? Or is it a barber shop that's actually like making TNT in the back room, or like a daycare that's also like baking, or some you know crazy combinations that might exist? So I'm curious to know, like, do you, do you think that what you're doing is also driving change within the carriers to to increasingly automate? How are you seeing that manifest? And we're we're pushing a lot of that, right? So yeah, we. Um
1: when we first start integrating with a given carrier oftentimes what they're doing is saying these are the classes or class codes that i will make available for online quoting Mm -hmm. right Right. upset of what they allow out in the brick and mortar world right right or even to us if we use their portal um and so what we're able to do is like we'll still do some amount of non-online binding or quoting for customers Mm -hmm. and over time we've just shown them you know look the Like, we've shown that these are good books of business. There's no reason not to turn it on, right? Whatever concerns you had about this class, et cetera, like, we can alleviate those. We can do that through technology. We can have a call with you every week to review these, whatever it might be. But we've really been doing the nitty-gritty auditing of everything that comes through CoverWall to show them that it's not the case that, you know, bakeries are okay and barbershops aren't. uh, But we can show you. And we can even get more ground. Barbershops that have these characteristics are fine. Let's add it. Why not? It's better for both of us. Right. Um, And so, again, this is one of our mindsets, just incredibly data driven. um, We just show them the data. It's hard to argue with data, right? Like it works. Like, let's just add that. Let's add this to the integration.
0: And are they able to then sort of grab data from your side as well? Is that a fluid process? Because I'd imagine there's some amount of personally identifiable information around claims or experiences with the customer that the carrier would be pretty close to test with.
1: Uh, yeah, so we're only sharing unanonymized sort of, you know, high level aggregate level okay. of class codes, etc. Um, and the carriers don't reach in and grab data from us. There's definitely a wall there. So we use data really as a strategic asset, right, to, yeah. to push the envelope on the things that we think are really important for the end customer experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, are you seeing, you, know, you mentioned sort of don't be afraid of barbershops. You may have been afraid of barbershops before, and we're using that as an example, but I'm curious with sort of new industry coming online, things like food trucks that nobody knew how to write or like uh, home-based businesses, like all of the computer technology consultancies coming online. If there's classes that you're seeing and sort of, are you able to sort of and see the future in a way about like where and how the insurance industry can expand profitably.
1: Yeah. It's such a great question, right? Like, Oh man. So the insurance industry is, it's all about Clascos. They're NAICS, SIC um, or ISO. And then every carrier has their own. And like, you know, you talk about home-based businesses, but it's like startups. Like how do you, you know, we had a company that was like an Uber for massage,
0: right? Anywhere you were, the the masseuse would come. uh, Yeah it's like sounds fun. great how do I sign up but I feel bad that they need insurance yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Good> um,
1: look. <laughs> so you know as you start to see more innovative companies um this is really where I think um just the strength of our carrier relations at this point like having done okay. good by them it allows us the platform to have a conversation around like hey startups like let's talk about a way to do these efficiently if yeah. I said small businesses were great from the loss ratio startups are even better if you see back startups are like for insurance companies it does <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't I love it. it. Yeah, uh, and just speaking,
1: how do, do these right. Um, and again, it's it's all a conversation. It's a collaboration with them because look, they're the ones taking the underwriting risk. Like we're distribution, I'm very clear about who we are in this equation. But we have to work together and actually make this seamless for the end customers that they choose us, and also profitable for everybody who's in the chain. And I would say I would just share that I think one of the most gratifying parts of being a founder of this company. Mm-hmm me is honestly all the folks who were part of the more traditional parts of this industry, whether they worked at a carrier an underwriter or um, a more traditional agency who've come over. Uh, This is on my mind because we've had our series of holiday parties recently. And so I've got a chance to speak to a lot of people in a non-work setting. Um, And they talk about just uh, how much more gratifying the job is here because technology has alleviated the horrible parts of the job right? They would talk about how not mind-numbing it was to do all this administrative stuff uh, and how so much more of their time here is actually servicing customers or speaking to customers um, and making real decisions on behalf of the customers, acting like a broker uh, as opposed to a typist. And that's been really gratifying to me. It's just like you can see an impact in the people who've chosen to work here and the quality of their life in the fact that technology has brought something to them individually, not just sort of To the industry at large you know sort of industry and so that's the last thing i'd I'd share with
0: you yeah it it inspired another question too because you've talked a lot about sort of design thinking but also relationship building in this industry so for companies starting out i mean holiday parties are a great way to sort of get everybody to sort of take off the jacket for a minute but curious Mm -hmm. to know your perspective it sounds like that relationship building you mentioned being on the phone every week if necessary to talk through the audits with their customers, going to their Christmas parties, staying engaged, giving them feedback sort of how has relationship building really mattered for you? And in what ways could you give advice to others who are maybe starting off on that journey and how to effectively do that?
1: Yeah. Um, it's been huge. I mean, as a fellow MITer, I'm sure that at some point in your life, you're like, no, it's all in this book, and I just got to yeah. read this, and I'll figure it all out, right?
0: It's mm-hmm. uh, an equation that has a solution, and if only I can figure um, out the proper components, yeah. we're good. No. And, no, yeah, I've been there.
1: <laughs> and I would just say, as I've gotten you know, more experience, like there, it's so much more efficient. There's so much more you can learn. There's so much more richness in a conversation with someone mm-hmm. um, than there isn't anything you could pick up right? Um, now, it takes both, I think, to be successful, uh, but there's so much texture and richness in actually having a conversation and having the back and forth about what works and doesn't work and what would you improve and what would you change. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's what I would point to in terms of relationships. So I would say it was fundamental in terms of starting the company. Now, obviously, I have co-founders that came out of a relationship, right? We were friends and mm-hmm. and had a lot of mutual respect for each other. Um, but then even just starting the company, we were able to tap into a network of people that we knew Um, or people who knew people around getting our feet wet in this industry, um, internally at the company. I mean, if you spoke to anyone here, one of the things that they really like is how much cross pollination there is. There are not silos like you will have, you know, a customer service rep who started two weeks ago, stop by and talk to the head of product and say, I think we really need to change this. Right. And it's completely welcomed. It's, it's what we want. Um, the whole company kind of runs in this way where we really like that people are talking to each other uh, and that they know each other because good ideas come from everywhere. Um, and we want to keep those channels open. Um, and then finally outside of the company, right? I, you know, there's your distribution. We're not the ones who are manufacturing the product and putting it on a shelf, right? We live in an ecosystem. We have to play well and understand um, that ecosystem in order to do well, right? It, it's a chain and it's only as strong as the weakest link. So if anything's broken between us and the customer or us, um, in the carrier, or if that carrier has a technology provider other than us, and we're relying on them, you know, it, it takes everything being at hundred percent in order to deliver good customer experience. Um, so I would say, you know, just relationships and actually being on the same page and having the common goal of servicing the end customer well and, and making money while doing
0: it is the foundation for actually doing anything together. Right. right? right. Um, sort of having
1: that team mentality.
0: Um, the foundation for business, right? That the kind of coming together of somebody with a skill, that somebody who needs that skill, and finding the merge and the match. And I think you've done a fantastic job in building those relationships. Um, I have one last question, and it, it might be too pie in the sky, but what does insurance look like 50 years from now? What if Cover Wallet is infinitely successful? You start in small commercial and you take over the world. Sort of what? What 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 can I expect when I'm? I'll update myself. But when I'm 80 or 90 years old, what is insurance? Yeah. Do you think about that? I do.
1: Yeah, I do think about it, and, and I feel sometimes I'm too entrenched in it. To,
0: to, like <laughs> I can thought. cut this part if it's too crazy. But like I'm just curious because I'm always fascinated by folks that think again not outside of the box, but a world without boxes. Like, yeah. what is it? What does it become? Like, how can we? Um, get to sort of the, the optimal relationship, right? Like what, how does that look? How does that feel? What, what can we make it together? Yeah. So I know yeah. a couple
1: of things. I know that these arbitrary policy terms won't exist anymore. Okay. They, there'll be a lot of flexibility around choosing your policy terms. It doesn't have to be 12 months or one day or six months. Um, I know that Right now, okay, business insurance is crazy. There's like 40 different lines, right? You get one that will cover you in case somebody walks in and slips and falls. And you have another one that covers you in case an uh, ex-employee fires you for wrongful termination. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely see the multi peril policy, mm-hmm. um, one so policy.
0: You don't have these sort of business owners policies that have general liability, workers compensation, DNO, like all of these sort of patchwork
1: Exactly, that, and okay. some of are duplicative about what they, what they cover. Um, so I see the multi-parallel policy um, with modifications to it. Um, and I see, yeah, I guess I, those, those are the two big things that I, can, that I can point to. I think those are coming.
0: Awesome. I think uh, one of the visions that I have to add to that list might be that the sort of universe of data sharing becomes less opaque And so that we can make better decisions if we know more about the world around us rather than just our customers. And I think you kind of hit on that by sharing these aggregate level statistics. I think that's, that's going to continue. Aggregate level statistics are super helpful, but even more micro level understanding of the environment around our customers is going to matter more to our decision-making, to our, ability to engage and distribute, right? Finding new customers in this soup of, of businesses. So um, I, I believe in what you're saying and I would add that too, what do you think? Yeah, I, I believe it. Um,
1: and I, that also made me think about, there's probably gonna be more of a tendency towards specialization. So, you know, having by industry, actually having carriers who specialize more and more in a particular industry, as opposed to having these generalists who cover small business at large, including all these different folks. So more Mm -hmm. concentration um, and understanding in a homogenous risk pool,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: as opposed to try to spread it across several different homogenous risk pools. So I think Mm -hmm. we've seen that happen with other industries, sort of specialization narrowing on a niche, And then there's always a cycle of someone gobbling them up and (laughs) becoming aggravated. Specialization
0: again. Um, But I think- Wax and wanes. Centralization, decentralization. Sounds like that's what you're doing at Cover Wallet. So I'm excited for your future. I'm excited to track you as a person. It's been a fantastic experience to talk with you today and learn from you as a founder, founder to founder. I think I, I definitely learned and hopefully the insurance industry will continue to be better off. For Cover Wallet being in it. So thank you for joining me today. So much for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Uh, This has been Profiles and Risk with Carrie Ann Nadeau uh, and Rushmi Melgiri. Thank you for tuning in.